But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The era of big government is over. President Review, a podcast review of all 45 presidents from Washington to Trump. New episodes every Friday on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, we discuss the end to the government shutdown, Kamala Harris's campaign for 2020, the Covington High School Catholic Kids and more. Welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, a lot of attention this year is probably going to be uh, going towards the Democratic primary for president, but a lot of people uh, also forget the fact that there is a there are three gubernatorial races this year uh, in Louisiana, Kentucky, and Mississippi. Uh, specifically in Kentucky, uh, Republican Governor Matt Bevin uh, is uh, worried that his low approval ratings could lead to a Democratic victory uh, in an overwhelmingly uh, red state. One of the Democrats hoping to unseat him uh, joins me today. Uh, Jeff Young, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Nolan. Pleasure to be with you. Of course. So, um, before we get right in the new- into the news, why don't I uh, ask you uh, a few questions uh, that uh, about your campaign. So the first question I have is, why do you want to be governor of Kentucky? Well, I've lived in Fayette uh, County, Lexington, Kentucky, for the last 37 years. I moved here from Massachusetts in 1982. I think, uh, well, I worked for the uh, state government in the capital, Frankfurt, in the state energy office for about 13 years. So I know how state government works. I believe I can do the best job of all the other candidates running for governor, uh, both Democratic, Republican, and there'll probably be one Libertarian running also. All right. 
Now, my next question is, you said in your party platform that uh, one of your main goals uh, is to end corruption uh, in the state of Kentucky. How do you plan to do so? Well, the, uh, the governor is... Uh, but the governor and the attorney general of Kentucky, whoever that turns out to be, are the two top law enforcement officials of the Commonwealth. So it is it will be part of uh, my administration's responsibility to end corruption in Kentucky. Kentucky is one of the most corrupt states in the entire country. It's something like, uh, you know, the third or second most corrupt state, according to a study by Harvard. And... Uh, so what I mean, well, the way we'll do it is by following up on leads, tips uh, that the public gives us. We will work closely with law enforcement agencies, and we'll go after white-collar corruption, not just you know, the uh, street-level crime that up-on-time uh, politicians love to talk about, but uh, we will even... Uh, if necessary, indict uh, high-ranking members of uh, the Democratic Party, which is my party. Hmm. All right. Now, you've said you want to tax millionaires and billionaires. You've also said you support the Medicare for All plan. If you win, but Republicans keep control of the state legislature, how do you plan to get such, such legislation passed? I plan to uh, work with legislative parties on, on all of the issues facing Kentucky. Uh, I've been pretty good at working in organizations, nonprofit organizations, political groups over the years at getting people to agree uh, when they come in with different viewpoints. Uh, we will not compromise on principle, but where there is room to negotiate with members of the General Assembly, well, we're eager to do that. All right. Now, in New York State recently, a bill was passed by the Democratic uh, state legislature and signed into law by Governor Andrew Cuomo, which expanded abortions so that uh, a woman would be allowed to get a late-term abortion. Now, you said uh, part of your platform you'd like to protect the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court ruling. Do you believe, as governor of Kentucky, expanding abortions in this way so that a woman can get late-term abortions could be the necessary way to go about that? I was just reading the law today. That's a coincidence. Um, I, I have it up on my screen. I think it's... Uh, the, the important thing to note about the New York law is that it focuses first and foremost on the health of the woman. So the only reason to, that New York would allow a late-term abortion after 24 weeks of pregnancy would be to save or protect the life of life and health of the, of the woman. So I think it's a perfectly fine law. I'm, I'm glad to see one of the states passing that. And uh, my running mate is Josh French, so the, the uh, young French administration would uh, work toward passage of a similar law in Kentucky if we could. All right. Um, now, um, uh, hold on, let me get the other question up my screen. Okay. Um, so the next question I had uh, is, uh, Kentucky is considered uh, an overwhelmingly Republican state. How do you uh, plan uh, to win in a state Donald Trump won uh, overwhelmingly uh, as a progressive candidate? What's your strategy to do so? Well, first I question the assumption. I, I don't think Kentucky is a red state at all. I think it's a purple state in terms of the number of registered 
Democrats and Republicans. It's not too far from uh, equal, 50-50. So I don't, I don't agree that Kentucky is a red state uh, or a conservative state. I think it's a, a perfect mixture. Uh, but so, but your question was, how are we going to win in a state like this? But how, how how are you going to win? How are you going to win on a progressive platform? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think there's any any such thing as a, a voter who is a quote moderate. I think every voter and every person is, uh, let's say, left on some issues and uh, right right wing on other issues or libertarian on other issues. So no person is a pure specimen of moderate, right, or left. So we're going to go issue by issue. And when you look at surveys of how people feel about a range of issues, you find that the progressive position is extremely popular. But then if you were to ask that same person, well, are you a liberal? No, they'd say no. You know, I favor Medicare for all, health care for, for all people, but I'm a conservative, you know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So I think we can do fine. I think a, a, a Kentucky is due for a, frankly, uh, progressive, strong progressive campaign, and that's what we intend to give the people of Kentucky. All right. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about, obviously, as you've probably heard, there was uh, controversy over a video that surfaced of the Covington High School uh, kids. Originally, it appeared as though they were mocking uh, an, an elderly Native American man uh, named Nathan Phillips. Um, but as more video has come out, there have been so, uh, both sides questioning what happened, what really happened, how did it start, who's to blame. Uh, Covington is in uh, Kentucky. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the video, and what, what, which, what, 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 what take did you get out of watching uh, the footage and hearing all this news that's been coming out lately? I have no opinion at all. All right. Um, now, um, I know um, Governor Matt Bevins said uh, this about the incident. He said, in, quote, in a world where we, uh, uh, where we have a wealth of information at our fingertips, uh, we have increasingly little discernment and wisdom. Facts matter. The truth matter. Context matters. Uh, a little more genuine caring for one another and a little less uh, digital uh, vitriol would be good for all. Uh, do you um, do you agree with uh, the way he uh, responded? Do you think it was appropriate? Um, and if you were governor of Kentucky right now, how would you respond to this uh, incident? Well, uh, the statement you just read me from the incumbent Republican governor Matt Bevan was a very general statement, almost uh, platitudes, and I would say I agree with his statement. If I were governor of Kentucky, I would I would not comment on the on the matter either way. Uh, I'd not comment at, at all. I'd let other people shoot their mouths off. All right. Um, and then uh, one um, uh, one uh, other question I had for you before we get into the news is: What do you perceive to be the number one goal for any governor of Kentucky? Or sorry for you know what do you see yeah wh or what do you perceive to be your number one goal if you end up becoming governor of Kentucky? Well, the number one priority in the young and French platform is you can just build the middle class. For a hundred years or more, the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Republican Party have been attacking labor unions, attacking the very idea that workers should get together to uh, defend their own interests. And so we're, we're going to try to overturn all of the right-to-bus unions 
laws that, and executive orders that Kentucky has passed in the last three or four years. All right. And with that, why don't we get right into the news? Uh, so first of all, uh, the government shutdown um, has been raging on. Um, at one point, Trump offered a deal um, to uh, have DACA and other uh, protections for immigrants. That failed. There were two um, uh, bills that both the Republicans and the Democrats introduced, one with wall funding, one without. That failed, and apparently Nancy Pelosi even blocked Trump from giving his State of the Union until the government was reopened. Um, however, a Trump did say today that he did support a bill to reopen the government temporarily for three weeks um, uh, without wall funding. Uh, what what are you, what's your stance on the government shutdown and uh, and its reopening right now? I believe that the current government shutdown is 100% the fault of uh, Mitch McConnell, the Republican Party, and President Trump. I don't think the Democrats are to blame at all for this. In a functioning representative democracy or republic, if a certain piece of legislation, such as building a wall, fails, the, uh, it gets tabled till the next session. And then it gets taken up again or dropped. So I, I believe that the Republicans are acting like children. All right. I think, I think Nancy Pelosi's uh, idea of postponing the State of the Union event until the shutdown has ended is, is clever. I, I agree with her idea. All right. Um, and what are your thoughts on the government temporarily being reopened for three weeks? It's better than nothing. All right. I, I see no reason to oppose that, that three-week reopening idea. All right. You know, I ran for Congress uh, several times here in Kentucky. Uh, the 6th uh, the District, which includes Lexington, Kentucky, and, uh, you know, Central and Eastern. I ran for the U.S. House in 2014, 2016, and last year, 2018. So these are national issues, and I pay close attention to national politics. Interesting. Um, so the next story I wanted to talk about, so uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, a conservative uh, commentator, he did a podcast at the March for Life, um, and he made a controversial comment saying that, uh, quote, pro-lifers wouldn't kill baby Hitler. He's now losing uh, multiple sponsors uh, for, for saying this. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on this controversy? I actually listened to his entire speech. It, was it the one where he, he gave the ten arguments uh, that the um, pro-choice movement, was that the same speech that yeah. we're talking about? Yes, and he was actually at yeah. the march, because he had just given a speech yeah. at the march, and he was doing that afterwards, okay. yes. Well, I, I listened to that whole speech about another coincidence, and I found it completely without logical merit. He, he has been practicing and polishing his rhetorical tricks for years, I believe, and I found everything he said to be uh, completely wrongheaded, deceptive, false, and, uh, you know, I just, I just completely uh, shredded that speech in writing. What were your thoughts on uh, the baby Hitler comment that he made? It's, it's some kind of rhetorical trick. I, I have no comment on that. I think, I think his entire position is uh, immoral and wrong. Interesting. And I can explain why. Uh, he's part of the Right to Life movement which uh, has as its main goal 
to make all abortions after conception illegal. Uh, have you heard of the Human Life Amendment introduced by the Republican Party in, in uh, House and Senate? Uh, uh, oh, was that the one that said that after 20 weeks you couldn't get... No, no. The Human Life Amendment says uh, uh, a fetus or a zygote after conception, any, any uh, set of cells after conception has equal rights to any living person. Wow. It would, it would indirectly make all abortion a uh, capital crime of murder. And the Republicans have been demanding the Human Life Amendment since 1980, during the term of President Ronald Reagan. That, that Human Life Amendment is uh, extreme. It would wipe out the entire Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision in 1973. It would put police officers in everyone's bedroom it would subject all women of childbearing age to possible investigation for, you know, if they had a miscarriage, they could become a suspect and could even be convicted of murder. Mm. And that happens in some countries. In, in El Salvador, there are women in prison right now who had and who were accused of abortion. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's, it's extreme. It's an extreme position. Now, it's impossible to eliminate all abortions forever, as long as there are human beings, as long as there are men and women. Abortion will exist. It's, it's existed since humans have existed. The goal of many uh, fundamentalist religious preachers and uh, apparently, all Republicans in, in the country is to uh, make all abortions illegal. It, it goes against human nature, it, it, and it cannot succeed. Countries where all abortions are illegal, actually, the abortion rate does not go down. I'll repeat that. Countries and regions of the world where all abortions are illegal, the abortion rate does not go, go down. Studies have shown that it even goes up slightly. They're all illegal. The abortion procedures are very often unsafe, and so more women die. So the goal of the Human Life Amendment and the Right to Life movement is entirely counterproductive and immoral and impossible to achieve. Now, when do, when do you believe personally uh, the cutoff time for abortion should be? Or should there be any cutoff time in your opinion? I like the New York law that, uh, that allows all abortions uh, within the first 24 weeks of pregnancy. After that, it's totally a question of saving the woman's life or protecting her health. So, so I think that law is, is quite reasonable, actually uh, kind of implements on a practical level the principles that the U.S. Supreme Court laid down in Roe v. Wade in 1973. All right. Anything else you want to say on this issue, or should we move on? Well, I just chat this morning. I uh, saw a, an opinion column by... Um, Bishop, Catholic Bishop John Rowe, the uh, Bishop of Lexington and Eastern Kentucky. Uh, it was about that incident in, uh, you know, by, in Washington that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care much what he said about that incident, but I, he did, he did enunciate the Catholic position for the last forty or fifty years that all abortions should be made illegal. And so I challenged him to a public televised debate. I left a message at his office, and I challenged him on the web uh, to a debate on the question of should 
all abortions after conception be illegal in the United States or everywhere in the world. And I haven't heard back from him or his uh, assistants yet. Wow, interesting. Well, let me ask you this. If Ben Shapiro challenged you to a debate on abortion, would you accept his challenge? Yes, I would. I would happily do that. Interesting. I could prove, I could disprove everything he says. Hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to, to add on the, uh, the issue? Not the abortion issue. I think we've covered it quite thoroughly. All right. Let's move on then. So, uh, the 2020, uh, field is heating up. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont, um, he uh, visited South Carolina fueling 2020 speculation, but we can also say that uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris from California um, and uh, uh, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg from Indiana will both be in the race. They have both officially declared that they are both running for president. If uh, Kamala Harris wins, she will be the first woman president and the first uh, president of South Asian descent. Uh, if Pete Buttigieg wins, he will be the youngest president ever elected, uh, as well as uh, the first openly gay president. Meanwhile, Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania is saying no thanks. Uh, he has opted against uh, running in the 2020 presidential uh, election. What are your thoughts on Harrison Buttigieg getting in, uh, and uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Bob Casey deciding not to run? Well, I, I have one candidate uh, I'm a, I'm a, in the Democratic Party that I think would be the best, and that would be U.S. Representative Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. Uh, my, my passion is peace. When I run for Congress, my main issue is always war and peace, and I think she's basically the only good Democrat who has already jumped into the race. So I don't care about the others. Interesting. Do you think... I, I, I usually vote for the Green Party candidate. Even though I'm a Democrat, I voted for Jill Stein in 2012 and 2016. And I'll probably vote for the Green in 2020. Interesting. Now, what do you think are the chances that Tulsi Gabbard will win, or what do you think are the chances that Kamala Harris will win the nomination? I should also mention I was a big Bernie Sanders supporter in 2016. I actually went to the convention, uh, outside the convention hall in Philadelphia. As to chances, I have no clue. Interesting. All right. Um, and what are your thoughts on Pete Buttigieg uh, running? Of course, he's hoping to be the first openly gay uh, president of the United States. What party? He's a Democrat. He is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He's said that he is getting in. Um, he's hoping to become the first openly gay president of the United States. Well, I know virtually nothing about him, so I have no, no opinion. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add, or should we move on? No, I think, I think the American people should support only an anti-war candidate in 2020. It is the overwhelmingly important issue. We are at the very edge of a nuclear war with Russia. And uh, the current strategy, the current actions of the Trump regime all over the world are reckless. They are leading, leading us toward a nuclear war. And I'm th thinking particularly of the INF Treaty, Inter Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. Um, Trump regime is, is simply casually about to toss that aside. And it would be a tremendous strategic blunder to, uh, to eliminate that treaty with, with uh, Russia. So 
that's the main issue. Uh, any any presidential candidate who avoids talking about war and peace, I, I just don't. I don't even think about them. What were your thoughts on uh, uh, the U.S. pulling out from Syria? Uh, do you believe that was a good decision, and do you believe that's handled being handled correctly? Well, when Trump tweeted that U.S. troops would be taken out of Syria, I, I rejoiced. I thought that was a wonderful tweet. Uh, his problem is that he can't make the deep state, he can't make the military-industrial complex, he can't make the CIA implement his clearly expressed decision to get all U U.S. troops out of there. I think since 2011, when uh, the Obama regime started supporting al-Qaeda terrorists in Syria in an effort to overthrow the government of Bashar al-Assad, the United States' uh, <clears throat> actions in Syria have been totally illegal and totally immoral. And so we, I don't think any troops or CIA or mercenaries have any right to be in Syria today. They should all be removed immediately. I don't think Trump is necessarily smart enough to uh, <clears throat> figure out how to make his government do that. All right. Anything else you want? But I hope he's able to. Anything else you want to add or should we move on? Well, yes, I was, I was horrified and disgusted at the mainstream media corporations, there's about six big ones, and the Democratic Party when they started opposing Trump's tweet. They were saying, oh, we have to leave our troops in there for, you know, one, two, three, five years, forever. Uh, yeah, that was appalling. So there was one case when I, where I completely opposed my own party most of them. I believe Tulsi Gabbard wants to get our troops out also, so I support her. But uh, I supported Trump's tweet much more than I supported my own party's McCarthyism. Um, yes, and I think just to be clear, I think Tulsi Gabbard has said in a statement she supports getting out of Syria. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have both said they support it, but they don't support the way Trump is doing it. Okay, well, I agree with Tulsi, and I disagree with the other two. All right. I don't care how Trump, I don't care how Trump does it, as long as the troops get out. Uh, anything else you want to add, or should we move on? Yeah, uh, uh, I think in the past three or four years, my party, the Democratic Party, has gotten worse and worse on the issue of war. And so it's possible that the Democratic Party today is more pro-war, more neoconservative, more aggressive, and more ignorant than Donald Trump himself on the issue of foreign wars. All right. Um, with that, why don't we uh, we move on to the next story? Now you're gonna like the next story because this is all about okay. this is all about local politics. Uh, so uh, Allison Lundergan Grimes, the uh, the Secretary of State, who is rumored of Kentucky, the Secretary of State of Kentucky, who was rumored uh, to run for governor, uh, is now saying uh, she will not run. She wants to focus on being a new mom. Uh, there was a rumor she would run. She originally ran in 2014 against Mitch McConnell and lost by about 15 points. Uh, right. rumors ha rumor had it that she was going to run. Uh, she's saying she will not run. So what are your thoughts on her not, uh, running? Well, uh, <laughs> so as the most progressive slate on the ticket, uh, my attitude is the more candidates, the better. Also, Lundergan Grimes, and we've got two others uh, whose names I'll mention in a minute, uh, are, are totally corrupt. They are election-rigging, unindicted felons. So Allison is one of those. Uh, the oh, hold on, I'll be right back. General, well, 
I'll be right back. I just have to, uh, I'll be right back. I, hold on, I just have to do something real quick. Um, okay. I'm on the phone right now. Yeah, I'm doing the podcast. I'm sorry. Alright, sorry about that. Continue. Okay, uh, where should I start? Um, uh, where, where I left off? Or? Yeah, that, that's... I mean, a, are you going to cut out this, this little section? Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Alison Lundergan Grimes... Uh, also, the current Attorney General of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, and one other Democratic candidate, Adam Edelin, are all members of a fairly large conspiracy to rig Kentucky's Democratic primaries. I have been suing the Kentucky Democratic Party and certain individual powerful Democrats since 2015, almost four years ago for election fraud. And here's what happens. Uh, they, uh, there's a bylaw in the Democratic Party that says that during primaries, uh, the party itself is not supposed to support any Democratic candidate above the others. If they can, uh, they can support none of them or they can support them all equally. What has happened, however, is that the Kentucky Democratic Party routinely uh, supports their favored Democrat or Democrats and, uh, and opposes my campaign. So they are violating their own bylaws. They are trying to make the decision of who the nominee will be in um in a back room and ignoring the will of Kentucky's registered Democrats. So I consider the top several dozen Democrats in Kentucky to be criminals. There is one other candidate, uh, a Democrat named Rocky Adkins from Eastern Kentucky, I think is a decent fellow. I, I don't consider him to be a crook. So what we have right now are Adam Eaglin, Andy Bashir, two crooks. We've got two honest candidates, myself and Rocky Atkins. And so the field has already, in, in my mind, cut itself in half. You've got two decent candidates who would be better than incumbent Republican Governor Matt Bevan, and two crooks who would be worse than Bevan. Um, and Alison Lundergan Grimes would fall into the crook category. Interesting. Um, now, um, if if you end up losing to Rocky Adkins, would you vote for him, or would you vote for a third-party candidate, like, let's say, a Green Party candidate? If I were to lose the nomination, which, which occurs in May, no, the primary election occurs in May 2019, I would probably uh, endorse Rocky Adkins for governor against Matt Bevins. If uh, one of the crooks were to win, Andy Bashir or Adam Edelin, I would definitely not support them. I would continue to attack them for, for their crimes over the last four years. And uh, I would probably endorse the Libertarian. Interesting. Whoever that might be. Interesting. Um, anything else you uh, you want to say on this issue? Yeah, every time I try to walk into the party headquarters in, in downtown Lexington, they call the police. This has been going on for a couple of years now. Hmm. Every time I walk into the building to try to attend a meeting, they call the police. When the police arrive, I chat with the police and, and then I leave. But that is how much they hate me for telling them things they don't want to hear. And I've got a lawsuit currently uh, that was a federal lawsuit started in August 2019, 2016, I'm sorry, 
And it's now a petition for certiorari before the U.S. Supreme Court. You can find it. It's uh, it's case number 18-718 in the in the Supreme Court of the United States. You can find all the the documents there. So you know, if I if I someday win one of these cases. Uh, the Kentucky Democratic Party is going to have to change real fast. They're going to have to banish corruption from their ranks. Mm. Interesting. Um, now... Yeah, you keep saying interesting. I, I, one of my goals is to not be, be a boring candidate. Yeah. I'm succeeding in that. Now, if... Um... Now, now, you seem to be somebody who's at odds with the Kentucky Democratic Party. Very How do you... So. How do you plan to win their nomination um, if you are at odds with them? Going, going with the voters. Huh. Uh, I, I'm uh, at odds with only a few dozen powerful Democrats who, uh, who just don't want to change. It seems to me they'd rather lose than change. So there are 1.7 million registered Democrats in Kentucky uh, I'm going to appeal directly to them. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to add on this, or should we move on? Well, let's move on. All right. So Fox News is now apologizing uh, for displaying uh, an image on their screen uh, that uh, that said, in memory of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg... Um, as if she had died. However, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had not died. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, this controversy? I thought the uh, I think the image was in extremely poor taste. It's uh, it, it's kind of a distraction, uh, and it's kind of the it's the kind of issue that gets people riled up. But uh, I, I have an extremely low opinion not only of Fox News, but of all six major U.S. mainstream media corporations. I think they're doing the American people a great disservice, mainly by being so reflexively and unthinkingly pro-war and uh, anti-Russian, Russophobic. I don't see any reason why the United States and Russia should, should not be allies and friends. Interesting. Um, do you believe this was intentional, um, or do no you, idea? You, you have no idea because they're claiming right now that there was a technical error, that there was somebody uh, in the control room who accidentally displayed that on the screen. Um, but it it was like they showed the image of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They showed. A picture of the Supreme Court behind her. Um, it looked set up. So maybe some people think maybe they did it because they weren't sure if because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's health that, you know, sometime this year she might, something might unfortunately happen to her and maybe they were just saving it for that point. Um, some other people are saying that it was intentional. What are your thoughts? Oh, it could have been either. Either, either answer could be right. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to say on this, or should we move on? Uh, we could talk about Brett Kavanaugh, if you want. All right. What are your thoughts on Brett Kavanaugh? I think he's a hard-right extremist. I believe he came out of the Federalist Society, just like all of the hard-right justices now on the Supreme Court. And I would have voted against him if I had been a senator, um, no matter what the story was about the uh, um, incident from many years ago. I don't think that incident was the right way to get him defeated. Uh, he, he's got a long record in government, and it's an appalling record. And so he was, he, he's an absolutely unacceptable nominee for the Supreme Court, and I'm, I'm very sorry he was confirmed. 
Hmm. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about him, or or let me ask well, you that? It's possible that uh, Senator Chuck Schumer uh, threw that through that fight. He he, uh, probably, he didn't discipline Senator Manchin, Democratic senator, supposedly a Democrat from West Virginia. He didn't force him or compel him to vote with with all the other Democratic senators. It, it's possible that Schumer just threw it. Now, now um, we did see in this past midterm, we did see Heidi Heitkamp voted against uh, Senator Kavanaugh's nomination from North Dakota, as did Joe Donnelly in Indiana, uh, and Bill Nelson in Florida, and Claire McCaskill in Missouri. Uh, all of those senators I just mentioned uh, came up short uh, in the midterm and ended up losing to a Republican. Joe Manchin ended up winning on uh, winning re-election narrowly. Um, do you believe that they lost because uh, they voted uh, against Kavanaugh, or uh, or do you think it was something different? I really don't know. I guess, uh, but you know, you, I often hear people say, when the choice is between a real Republican and a fake Republican, people usually vote for the real one every time. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to add, or? I think we're done with that topic now. All right. So we have like two more topics to talk about. Um, so one of them uh, involves uh, Kim Jong-un. Apparently Trump is now being said to meet with Kim Jong-un uh, again at the end of the month. Many people have criticized uh, uh, North Korea for uh, not being cooperative uh, enough in their agreement. Um, do you think any good will come of Trump meeting with Kim Jong-un again? Well, I think you raised two questions. Uh, one is a meeting between President Trump and Kim Jong-un a good idea? I say yes, always. It's always better when heads of state are talking with each other about peace and reducing tension. So I so I'd support it. I hope the meeting happens. Uh, uh, as to what people were saying, uh, I think North Korea has been far more cooperative than the United States. North Korea and South Korea governments have been talking with each other, and the neoconservatives in Washington are upset by that, but I think the, the neocons, as always, are wrong. I think the North Korean, South Korean reconciliation is a wonderful thing, and I believe that the main activity of the United States in this area should be to get out of the way and stay out of the way and let the two parts of Korea uh, negotiate a settlement. Interesting. Um, do you think... Uh... Do you think Trump should be tougher on North Korea, or... No, definitely no. not. Definitely not. Toughness has gotten into us into the dire situation we're in now. Interesting. Um, Toughness is almost always the wrong strategy. Mm. Uh, so how do you think uh, Trump should go about... Uh, doing this without being uh, too aggressive towards North Korea, but making sure they get rid of their nuclear base? Well, I, I think he should play a minor role. I think he, he should let South Korea and the other countries in the region handle North Korea. I don't think the United States should be doing anything except getting out. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to add, or should we... No, I'd like to talk about the Israeli-Palestinian issue uh, if, if there's time. Okay, go right ahead. Okay. Well, Governor Matt Bevan here in November of 2018 signed an executive order that would uh, prohibit 
the Commonwealth of Kentucky, the uh, state government, from entering into any contracts with companies or people who support the rights of the Palestinian people. He issued this executive order. There was the uh, Israeli uh, consul there at his side at the signing ceremony. There was some. There was a, an official from Christians United for Israel, which is a far right wing fundamentalist, uh, you know, Christian Zionist organization. There were some other officials there, and and so if you've heard of the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement, this is an international movement to boycott. Uh, divest from investing in and sanction the government of Israel until they negotiate in good faith with the Palestinian people and reduce the oppression that, that they have been inflicting on them for over 50 years. So the Young and French administration, our first action if we win in November 2019, will be to negate and reverse Governor Bevan's immoral executive order uh, that would uh, essentially prohibit Kentuckians from uh, supporting the BDS movement and supporting the human rights, civil rights of the Palestinian people. There are Palestinians who live in Kentucky and uh, Governor Bevan has simply taken sides said uh, ridiculous statements such as Israel is our ally. Well, I don't think Israel is our ally. I think Israel is a threat to the United States and, and really to the security of the entire Middle East region. Uh, Israel um, has been acting extremely aggressively in its neighborhood. It's been making illegal attacks on Syria. It's been flying its jets through Lebanese airspace and launching missiles into Syria from uh, from Lebanon. So Israel is out of control. And I think Bevan was extremely immoral to sign that executive order that, that takes the side of the Israeli government and discriminates against Palestinians. Um, do you fear your position could uh, alienate uh, Jewish voters in the state, or no? Oh, sure, it could. I hope it doesn't. I look forward to having uh, many discussions with uh, my Jewish friends. I was born and brought up Jewish in Massachusetts. Uh, now I'm a Quaker. But, yeah, I look forward to discussing that issue and also the abortion issue. Those two hot-button issues, I think Governor Bevan, the Republican, has taken extremely immoral positions on both of those. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to say on that issue, or should we move on? Well, again, I'm, I'm willing to debate anyone at any time. All right. Um, well, we have one last issue uh, to talk about. Um so uh this is about the 2020 election so it is assumed uh that uh whoever the democratic uh candidate is uh they will whether it be harris or gabbard or sanders or warren or whoever uh they will have to go against donald trump that is widely assumed but it's not uh confirmed because right now apparently uh there's more talk and speculation that uh, Republican Governor Larry Hogan uh, of Maryland uh, could uh, be running uh, against Donald Trump in the primary. Hogan is known to be a more moderate uh, Republican. He's more moderate on issues like uh, gun rights uh, and whatnot. Um, and uh, many believe uh, he could uh, challenge Donald Trump. What are your thoughts on the potential of him running? Well, I, I think, you know, just, just from whatever you've told me, I, I, I've never heard of the person. I think if Mr. Hogan is uh, is taking a position that the NRA opposes, he will never get the Republican nomination. 
Interesting. Do you think that the uh, the uh, the more moderate um, wing of the Republican base that opposes Donald Trump could uh, help Larry Hogan uh, win the nomination if he does choose to run? Uh, or do you think that Trump's base is just too much for Hogan to overcome? Well, if he if he takes the same position as Donald Trump on on guns, uh, he might have a chance with, uh, to get some moderate Republican voters on his side. But if he if he goes against the NRA, forget it. Interesting. Um, is there anything other issues you wanted to talk about before we uh, sign off? Well, let me just zip through some of our other uh, issues on our platform. I talked okay. about unions. I talked about stopping corruption in Kentucky, including the Democratic Party. We, we also want to legalize all forms of cannabis for medical and recreational uses. We want to uh, stop kicking Kentuckians off of health insurance. We want to tax millionaires and billionaires and reduce taxes on the poor and middle class. We are going to promote energy efficiency and renewable energy technologies, which lower everyone's electric bills. We want to promote worker-owned businesses and cooperatives, and we want to work with other governors to prevent our National Guard from ever being sent outside of the United States. We believe the National Guard is to respond to emergencies in this country and that they should never be used as cannon fodder in foreign wars, especially if those wars are unjust and illegal. Interesting. That's our platform. Oh, let me say the website. It's Young for Kentucky. Y-O-U-N-G, number four, K-Y, dot com. Youngforkentucky.com. And you can find uh, those issues and a little bit about Josh French and myself. Are there any uh, social media platforms uh, that people can find you on? Yes, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jeffrey M. Young dot nine. Uh, Jeffrey is G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. Yeah, just search for me on Facebook. Um, I'm there a lot. Uh, you can donate through the website. And, uh, yeah, wish us luck. All right. Thank you, sir, and good luck with your campaign in May and November. Thank you, Nolan. Of course. It's been a pleasure talking with you. You as well. Uh... Are you going to run for president of the United States and do something about it? Do you think she should? Do you think she should? <laughs> I have decided to run and we'll be making a formal announcement within the next week. Whoa! A congresswoman, a war hero, and a progressive, who is Tulsi Gabbard, the woman who is standing up to the establishment she once was a part of and now wants to be president. The Candidates. Donald Trump has got to be defeated. And I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America, making sure that that happens. Their stories. We got a real opportunity to build something. And their fight for the White House. Keep America great! Exclamation point. Keep America great. This is Presidential Profile 2020. At that inflection moment, where were you? This is that moment. It's our job to remind the American people that we're looking out for them. So all of you, showing the country how you do this. The special interests and the powerful have such an outsized influence and outcome to restore our democracy. Tulsi Gabbard was born on April 12, 1981 to Mike and Carol in America, Somalia, where she and her family resided until age three when they moved to Hawaii. Gabbard is mixed race. Her father practices Catholicism while her mother practices Hinduism. Gabbard is a believer in Hinduism. 
Gabbard was homeschooled for most of her life as a child and attended Hawaii Pacific University until 2002 when she ran for the Hawaii State Legislature. Hawaii ran as a conservative Democrat at the time and initially opposed gay marriage and civil unions, a position which has proven to be controversial to this day. Aloha. In my past, I said and believed things that were wrong. And worse, they were very hurtful to people in the LGBTQ community and to their loved ones. Many years ago, I apologized for my words and more importantly, for the negative impact that they had. I sincerely repeat my apology today. I'm deeply sorry for having said them. After winning the nomination, Gabbard defeated Republican Alfonso Jimenez by a 65 to 35% margin. Gabbard became the youngest member of the Hawaii State Legislature in history. During her time in the legislature, she fought for clean energy leg legislation. However, in 2003, she enlisted in Hawaii's Army National Guard. In 2004, Rita Cabanilla primaried her for her seat in the state legislature. Cabanilla called on Gabbard to resign after joining the National Guard. Gabbard refused, but ceased campaigning, losing the nomination to Kabila by a large margin. Gabbard then went on a 12-month tour in Iraq and was deployed twice. She returned home, and in 2010, she ran for the Honolulu City Council after Rod Grams retired to run for mayor of Honolulu. Gabbard came in first in the first election and advanced to a runoff where she took down Sensanita Mopombo by a 58 to 41% margin. During her time on the Honolulu City Council, she supported legislation to loosen food truck parking restrictions, which was successful. In 2012, she announced she'd be running for the U.S. House of Representatives in the 2nd District after incumbent Democrat Maisie Hirono announced she'd retire to run for a U.S. Senate seat. Gabbard embraced a more progressive platform, supporting LGBT rights and access to abortion. After winning the nomination from her party, Gabbard resigned from her seat on the Honolulu City Council to focus on her campaign. Gabbard also traveled to North Carolina to speak for President Barack Obama at the 2012 Democratic National Convention that year. Tulsi Gabbard, she is going to be the one to watch tonight at the DNC. She defeated Republican Kawika Crowley by an 80 to 19 margin in November. A month after winning her election, Gabbard vied for an appointment to the U.S. Senate seat left vacant by David Inoue, who held the seat for almost 50 years before his death. However, Hawaii Governor Neil Abercrombie controversially appointed Lieutenant Governor Brian Schatz to the seat instead. During her time in Congress, Gabbard introduced the Helping Heroes Fly Act, which was an attempt to improve airport security screenings for injured and handicapped veterans, which easily passed bipartisanly in Congress and was signed into law by President Obama. Crowley challenged Gabbard to a rematch in 2014 and lost to Gabbard by a 78-18 to 18 margin. In spite of President Obama, a member of her own party, being born in Hawaii and winning the state by a whopping 40 points the same night Gabbard was elected, Gabbard was often at odds with Obama and disagreed with him on foreign policy issues. Gabbard, who was a non-interventionist, attacked Obama for his involvement in Syria. Eventually, Gabbard became the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee. However, she was at odds with the chair of the committee, Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and attacked her for holding only six debates throughout the entire 2016 Democratic primary cycle. Gabbard accused Schultz of trying to prop up former Secretary of State, former New York Senator, and former First Lady Hillary Clinton as the frontrunner. Her criticism of Schultz led to her being disinvited from the Las Vegas Democratic primary debate. Gabbard was informed she would be required to give her superdelegate to Clinton. However, Gabbard refused, and in February of 2016, she made national headlines from resigning from the Democratic National Committee to endorse Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders instead, siding with him for his non-interventionist voting record. So the Democratic Party has, has been using the superdelegate system where um, as people are running for president, you have a certain number of, of delegates that go to one person or another 
based on that state's rules. Rumors swirled that if Sanders was the nominee, he might choose Gabbard as his vice presidential pick. However, Sanders ended up losing the nomination to Clinton. Later, on the eve of the Democratic primary, leaked emails from WikiLeaks revealed that DNC officials conspired to help Clinton win in the primaries. This controversy led to Schultz resigning from her position as DNC chair. Multiple states, Bernie Sanders was listed as a write-in option during the general election, with Gabbard listed in the running mate section of the ballot. Clinton went on to lose to Republican New York businessman Donald Trump. That same night, she took down Republican Angela Caillou by an 81-18% to 18 margin. After Trump won, Gabbard became the source of attention for many Republicans. She came under fire from the left when white nationalist Richard Spencer said he hoped she'd run for president. And KKK wizard David Duke endorsed her to be Trump's Secretary of State. However, Gabbard has denounced both of these individuals. Gabbard endorsed Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison for DNC chair, though he lost to former Labor Secretary Thomas Perez. Gabbard went on a trip to Syria and controversially said that she believed the United States should not take down Bashar al-Assad's reign as the nation's leader. Gabbard got in trouble for violating House ethics laws. A poll showed Gabbard was, quote, the Republicans' favorite Democrat in Congress. Gabbard supported Bernie Sanders' idea of a Medicare for All system. Rumors spread that Gabbard could seek the nomination for her party in 2020. However, Gabbard kept much of the hype in secret and won re-election to her seat in 2018, dispatching Republican musician Brian Evans by a 77 to 22% margin. In 2019, Gabbard penned an article criticizing Democrats for weaponizing religion. Many believe the criticism was aimed at Hawaii U.S. Senator Maisie Hirono, who once held Gabbard's seat. She fired back. In January of 2019, on Van Jones's show, Gabbard announced her candidacy for president. Now, she hopes to be the first woman president of the United States and the first president of South Asian descent. Every time we launch these interventionist regime change wars, it is not only our veterans who pay the price for that. For more Presidential Profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly. New episodes every Tuesday.